Hi, thank you everyone for joining us today. You are listening to Eco Colorado. I am Ian Thomas Tafoya. And I'm Trisha Garcia Nelson. I'm really excited because we're gonna start a three-part series on a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, Bella Romero Academy. We'll go through the history of the story and a few things that you could do to help get the word out about what's happening at Bella Romero. So Trish, when you're talking about Bella Romero, it has to do with fracking, right? Yes. I went to a meeting and I listened to Dr. Lisa McKenzie talk about the adverse health effects of fracking. By the way, they're going to put this behind your kid's school. And so that was my introduction to fracking in Colorado. Ian, can you tell us some more about the adverse health impacts of fracking? Because we know there are many. There are so many reasons why fracking needs to go. First of all, there's concerns about air quality. Volatile organic compounds, ozone, benzene, nitrogen dioxide. These are all chemicals that come up out of the wells and they have poisonous effects on your body. Sometimes in short terms, they can kill you. And over long periods of time of exposure, they have adverse effects on your body. You know, these ozone, benzene, these are things that come out of all fossil fuel burning as well. So if you live next to a refinery, like the community I come from, or next to highways, like many of us do, then you are being exposed to these kind of toxics. And what does that do long-term? Well, you know, it's connected to asthma and other forms of disease. You know, then you get into water contamination. There is a mixture of chemicals that are used and pumped into the ground that are sent down there to break up the rock, to bubble up the gases and bring them to the surface. But what we've seen is not only does it consume a lot of water, it has the opportunity to really poison the water, uh, to affect the water table, to make it so that we can't use that water for other purposes in those communities. Then you have the connection with fossil fuels and climate change. Not only are the fossil fuels that we're using being burned, uh, to, that creates carbon dioxide, which acts as the greenhouse gases, you also have what the gas is itself, methane. And there are methane leaks all over the place, right? And these methane leaks are adding more harm for the greenhouse gas problem because they actually trap more heat over a shorter period of time. And that gas itself is very, very, very volatile and can explode. You know, perhaps you've heard of the Windsor explosions for the listeners, or maybe you've heard of the ones in Firestone where my relatives actually lived in the Firestone Dakota, Frederick, uh, Tri-City area, that explosion was very concerning. You know, these abandoned wells, these abandoned pipes under the ground leaking these gases have the potential to explode and harm families like we saw there. And then, of course, there's a lot of evidence now that's coming out about earthquakes. I know this is definitely talked about a lot in Texas, Oklahoma, California. So if you listeners aren't quite sure Wait until you hear this story that Trish is about to tell you about what it really looks like to take it on in your community. When we talk about Bella Romero, we, we need to go a little bit further back. And this is when it really began. So initially, when extraction oil and gas was mineral resources, they actually wanted to put this project behind another school in Greeley called Frontier Academy. When we look at the demographics of the school, the de demographics are literally black and white. At Frontier Academy, you had the majority of the students were white. There were very little students that were on free and reduced lunch. Whereas when we go to Bella Romero, the demographics are opposite. The majority of our students are Latinos. A lot of them are from immigrant or refugee family. And a lot of our students, the majority of them, almost all of them qualify for free and reduced lunch. So what happened at Frontier Academy is 
there was a local group called Weld Air and Water. And what they did was they mobilized the parents. And so they had these moms, they had these parents, they were dispersing information on flyers. And ultimately what happened is Mineral Resources put out an internal analysis. We looked at different sites. We've decided we're not going to do this project here because it's 1,250 feet from a playground and that's too close. And then less than two years later, they decided that they found another site. That site just happened to be behind Bella Romero. And when we look at the differences between their schools, the only difference is the demographics of the communities. And at Bella Romero, that site is less than 700 feet from our playground. And so it's very, very difficult to deny that this is a blatant case of environmental racism. Whatever came of Weld, Air, and Water, so they were actually the group that approached me. I mentioned I had gone to a meeting at Bal Romero, and I spoke with one of the founding members, Therese Gilbert, and we were catching up because she actually was a teacher at a middle school that I went to. And we were catching up and she says to me, we know that people are concerned. We know that these parents are concerned, but the moment the attorneys start calling them, everybody disappears. And so Therese tells me, we need a parent if we want to do a lawsuit. And I told her, oh, I'll do it because... Again, I had just gotten here. I had no idea what I was walking into. And in my mind, this is a no-brainer. Like, why would you put this next to a school? Like, you can't even have dispensaries within a thousand feet of a school, but they're going to try to put a fracking site? Like, it didn't make absolutely no sense. And so, Well Down Water recruited me to be the parent plaintiff in the case against the COGCC, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, for the approval of the permit. And I never expected to be in litigation for almost four years. So Trish, you just didn't do the legal route, right? You took the opportunity to raise awareness of the other parents. You protested, got media coverage, right? Yes. And the crazy thing is, is we have shared the story of Bala Romero with people literally across the United States. We've had national media coverage. It started with Congress Now, then we were on Mother Jones, and then we were in the Atlantic, and then we got into the New York Times, and we even had an episode of The Daily Show recorded about Bella Romero. And it just blows my mind that we have all of these media outlets reporting on this because it's so bad. And yet the elected officials in our community don't have a problem with it. And in fact, there's a lot of elected officials across the state that don't want anything to do with this because it's, it's too controversial. What happened in 2018, Trish, as the work really started there at the site, and where are we at now? So the approval of the permit was granted in March of 2017. The group that I was working with, it was a coalition. We had Welder and Water, Sierra Club, Wall of Women was involved as well. So we sued the state for the approval of the permit in 2017. Like the actual physical work began at the site in February of 2018. And that's where we had a CSU journalist student that actually did a lockdown. And so that really started the ball on a lot of the national and the bigger news media coverage. And so as the work progressed, there were a lot of conversations. And what they kept saying is that they weren't going to do any drilling while the kids were in school. In fact, we have had two school years since this project began, when there is an active drill on the first day of school. So right off the bat, they broke their promises. They really deceived the community when they kept saying, we're not going to drill when the kids are in school. 
well, I mean, they broke that promise, but then the worst parts of the entire process are the actual fracking, where you have the fracking and then the flowback, because that's when the emissions are the highest. And that information is not public. And so when it comes down to it, again, this is another instance of environmental racism, because you have medical professionals telling people, well, when they're in these phases of fracking, you should probably leave if you can. Well, the thing is, is these kids have to go to school. If parents don't send their kids to school, they're going to go to jail. You know, I've had the privilege where I moved. So my son wouldn't go to the school, but my sister's kids still go there. My cousin's kids still go there. All of our friends' kids still go there. And so you have this entire community that has no other choice but to send their kids there. And I know these parents are concerned because they've told me so. But the most up thing is, is that these parents, they think that their kids don't matter because the color of their skin. The advocates from the community, of course, that are pushing back on this environmental racism, you were all successful in having an air monitor installed. And the outcome of that was exactly what we thought it would be. A hundred percent. In November of 2019, the air monitors had picked up that there was a spike of benzene that occurred. We knew this was going to happen. We knew this was a possibility because these sites are not safe and even more so they're not safe around children. And so the state's initial response was just, oh yeah, it happened. And there's nothing to be worried about. This is a one-time thing. It doesn't happen very often. And then I kept asking the state, can you guarantee the safety of our kids there? And to this day, they cannot guarantee the safety of the kids. And so what that says to me is that they care more about this company's profits than they do the health and safety of my kids, the students, uh, the entire community, really, because right across the way from there, guess what we have, Ian? There's the community swimming pool. There are the community soccer fields. And they're also building a new trail literally across the street from this. There are doctors who say there's really no safe level of benzene exposure. So fast forward to March of 2021, and they take the air monitor away. Why did they take the air monitor away, Trish? So I worked with 350 Colorado. They got a hold of the data from the air monitors. Using the California eight-hour standard, there were 211 instances of high levels of benzene. The state tried to deny that it happened more than once. So what happened in March of 2021 was that CDPHE, the Colorado Department of Health and Environment, decided that we didn't need the air monitor anymore. We have to think about what else has happened this year. In one of our early episodes, we talked about the whistleblowing at CDPHE, specifically in their air quality department. And so that just makes me really question the integrity of the data that we had available since when they first released the data, they measured it slightly over nine parts per billion. Anything over that is considered unsafe. And then a few months later, they quietly re-released that information. And the exposure that happened to the children at Bell Romero on November 6th of 2019 was actually over 14 and a half parts per billion. There's a push against these polluters and against the state, right? That we want real, verifiable, and real-time monitoring. So Trish, what, where does that leave us now? It was removed, the community wants that back, and you're leading that fight. Yes, this is where you can help. So next Tuesday on October 26th, I am going to be at the Capitol once again asking the governor to do something about this because not only has the governor said this, 
but so many other elected officials have said, I didn't do that. That didn't happen under my watch. And yet, when we ask them to act and try to fix the situation, nobody wants to help us. And so I'm really hoping that everybody listening can take some time out of their day to send an email, make a call, telling the governor and CEPHE that we need the air monitor back. Because regardless of all of the legislation, all of the rulemaking changes, there are still wells at Belo Romero. There are still wells at Belo Romero. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We are going to drop the details here on the links so you can join us. I will be there also in front of the Capitol. And again, I just want to say, Trish, thank you for sharing your story. I know it isn't always easy to relive environmental racism over and over and over again. So. I'm Ian Thomas Tafoya. You are listening to Eco Colorado, your Colorado environmental news and to do's in 15 minutes or less. Thank you. What happened at Bal Romero isn't an isolated incident. Tune in for our next episode, where we'll talk more about air monitoring in Colorado, the need for stronger regulations and enforcement, and how permits continue to get approved in our state, despite all the damage it does to our health and environment.